This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. And welcome along to episode 139 of the ABZ Football Podcast. This time around, it's just the one and only Graham Steele and myself, Gary Scott, here to vent our righteous indignation about all things AFC from the last couple of days. Graham, how are you? I'm okay, but I have a feeling that might change by the time we're done. Absolutely. So Gav's not here because he's had enough. Um we're going to quickly talk, I'll say quickly, it, it might turn into a lengthy one, who knows, to talk about last night's latest debacle, and then we'll quickly touch upon as well the the, the big game at the weekend as Hearts travel to Pathology. But first, um, Aberdeen nil, Kilmarnock won Wednesday the 6th of December 2023 at Pathology Stadium in the Cinch. No deep dive on this one this time around, because let's be quite frank about it, Graham, this game was absolute dug meat from minute one to minute 90 plus two when David Watson swiveled to finish nicely. And then the four minutes afterwards as the Dawn sunk to a second defeat in a row in the league. No wins now in the six across all competitions as Kilmarnock took three points back to Rugby Park for the first time since 2018. Well, first time from Pataudry since 2018. Um, the first time they've won away on, in the league as well this season so far. We now sit uh, second bottom of the table, 13 points from 14 games. Graham, if you can... Just sum up your initial thoughts on that performance yesterday. Just, it's just absolutely woeful, woeful and rancid. Those are the two words I'm going to go with. Yeah, I, I don't think that's that might even be a bit kind. I think to be honest, um, three changes to the side beaten by Hibs at the weekend: Angus McDonald, Johnny Hayes, and Ducal coming back in. Rubisic, McGarry, and Sokler dropping out. Uh, surprises at all with any of those changes in the starting lineup? I was a little bit surprised <clears throat> that Rubicic didn't play. He's played every week, regardless of fault, to be honest. And I guess we've maybe sort of singled him out over a few episodes. But I suppose actually, when I take a step back, you know, it's just, if he's being exposed, it's because someone else is kind of not doing their job. If you think the defence is the last line, um, you know, he's maybe not getting much protection from midfield. So I was a little bit surprised that he had dropped him. Robson seems to be quite stubborn with. If we just look at his rigid oh, shape. No, no, I'm calling it. I'm calling it. Fucking hell, Graham. That's right, people tune into this for the, in, the insight. <laughs> you get a job as a pundit at this rate. Um, so surprised he dropped out. Johnny Hayes. I just don't get it. It's Yeah, every week, it just pains me. Um, just don't see it. And Duke is a little bit surprised that he came in to be honest I don't think Scotland's being I don't think he's wrong at the weekend so. no no I don't think so either so yeah I was a little bit surprised but again it didn't it didn't change anything did it I don't think it did I don't think realistically perhaps any of those changes make a big difference and we'll come on to talk about why that might be in a minute or two um, I, I was kind of curiously surprised as well by the fact that Rubicic did drop out because Robson had been so vocal in the press and the, the run-ups of the game saying he was going to back him and that, you know, okay, he made a mistake at, at Easter Road, but he was, you know, he's still developing and we're going to back him in that. Although maybe we shouldn't read too much into what Robson says in the press and the run-ups of games after what he said prior to the game against Helsinki last week as well. I mean, let's be blunt about this game. This was fucking terrible stuff. I mean, I've written here first half, but that, that's being very generous. Complete fucking nonsense football 
just hoofing up the park, hoping for the best. Fucking terrible. Uh, absolutely. They're totally devoid of any obvious game plan or strategy other than to just shell it and see what happens. Uh, uh, it's, it's just, not only is it, not only from a, you know, from an entertainment point of view, is it is it brutal? <clears throat> you can almost set that to one side. It, it's not even, it's not getting us the results. It's not even winning football. It's... No, it's not even winning football. I, I know we'd be in different camps. If that was winning more often than not, um, I'd probably be saying it's fine, we're winning, and you'd be saying you don't enjoy it, and that's fine, everyone's entitled to their point of view. But when it's garbage and you're not winning, uh, nobody's going to be happy. I mean, talk about a way to, you know, you've had the club this season um, rain in, rain is probably the wrong word, but never mind, rake in record season ticket sales, um, yeah. all that kind of good stuff. And for this brand of football to be getting served up, at home in particular, and I've, I've spoken about this before in the sense that I think when you're away from home, I, I don't think you've necessarily got an obligation to try and entertain anybody. It's about getting points on the board. But at home, when people have paid their hard-earned, I do feel there is a little bit of an obligation to try and entertain as much as you possibly can whilst getting points on the board at the same time. And this is absolutely not it by any stretch of the imagination. I was talking to somebody today at my work. I was like, you know, last night's performance, with the exception of Miofsky Duke, probably Jamie McGrath, I'd include in this as well. Everybody else appears to just be of the view or they're being coached, and that's certainly my view on this, to just kick the ball as hard as they can in the direction in which they're facing. Yeah, and let's hope the direction they're facing is towards the opposition goal. Even then, sometimes I don't think it matters. I think it's just fucking just smash it as much as you can and let's see what happens. Um, yeah, uh, there's there's nothing that you could take from last night that <clears throat> makes you think you know, he just wasn't our night or we were trying to do something different and it looks like it's going to catch fire at some point. It's... I mean, could you even call that professional football? I don't think you can. I mean, that's the type of thing I'd expect to see. I don't, I think actually you'd see better coached, better drilled football teams playing Sunday League. I, I just can't understand. Country. And the thing is, like, we, I know we were, if you think back to when Robson first came in, we probably were quite quick to get up the pitch. But it felt like the, the whole team then moved up the pitch and we were putting the opposition under pressure. And it was... It was working and we were all quite, uh, or certainly I was quite content, <clears throat> don't think I was alone, because the results had picked up and we managed to scrape third and think, well, that's fine. And then even at the beginning of the season, in some games, it was kind of, I felt like there was a, a bit of a plan because it was trying to aim for someone and then the team moves up. But now it's just literally shell it. Uh, that's exactly it. I, I, this is the thing. It's like, I could kind of understand it last season when he came in, why we went this way. And it was percentage football because we were in such a bad place defensively. It was all about kind of securing ourselves at the back first and foremost. But what we were doing when we were kind of playing that perception football is we were battling really hard for second balls and really in the face of people. And we were more often than not picking up those second balls and creating things off the back of that. None of that's happening at all this season. None of it is, is going on. I mean, second half was no better either. I mean, there was a really kind of late rally when we finally decided to make some substitutions on the 76th minute. Um, Morris, kind of lively when he came in. Um, still, a, I think, a real lack of quality from that perspective, but at least he was getting the ball down, attempting to take on his man, trying to do something. Um, but it was astonishing, given how bad we were throughout that game, that there were no changes until the 76th minute. And even then... To take to take on Shade Morris and Jimmy McGarry for duking that Angus McDonald was like some of the more curious choices of substitutions I've seen for a long time. Yeah, I didn't really I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. <laughs> and to only make two and to take that long. <clears throat> um I don't I don't understand what the thought process was there. I mean, Morris, you could say, right, okay, fine. Sort of when you're a bit more of an attacking threat down down that side, you maybe get that one. But Magari, uh, all it did was what did Hayes just basically take that? Hayes suddenly kind of went up to the. We kind of went to four two three one, so Hayes kind of went a bit more advanced um, on the left. But but you've got a guy who's <clears throat> not in form. No, who is 
aging, who has played the whole game, and then you're asking him to take on a role that's still got a lot of running in it. Um, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. And I had <laughs> other than Morris being something different. Yeah, uh, that was it. Morris even that fizzled out. Yeah. And even then, there was one towards the end where. Yeah, no. like the ball gets uh, shelled surprise and he sort of starts chasing it he's like nah not for me that's just inexcusable exactly exactly I think um, Ian Taylor so we opened up the, the, the voice notes again for people and a few people have dropped in their thoughts and Ian Taylor's got a kind of a good point on this I think as well here just talk about last night and some of the personnel that were involved as well alright boys I've seen some shite under Robson in the past, but that was probably the worst performance under him since he's been in charge. I'd like to know your thoughts what's happening with like Paul Vara and Baron, because I feel like they're the, our best two midfielders and they can't even get minutes off the bench. Do you think Baron's already away by not signing his contract, or just Robson just not fancy Bovara? It just completely baffles me because I think they're our best two midfielders and I think we would play so much better if they were in the team cheers boys and it's an interesting point isn't it because I think we've all spoken about how well I think Polvara's done in the main this season in big games he's come in and, and generally speaking played well Connor Barron's on occasion this season looked like the Connor Barron who first broke through in the first team um, which has been encouraging I was astonished that Graham Shinney finished the game last night because it wasn't an, it was again not a a vintage Graham Shinney performance. I don't think the Shinney Clarkson um duo works at all for us with what we're trying to do. Were you in the same, same boat that you were astonished that there was no changes in that centre of the park last night and that you're you're still in a situation where Baron and Polovara can't get in the team. Now being, we can touch about maybe why Baron might not be in the team, but Let's just look more on on the base of they should be in the team at the moment, surely, shouldn't they? Or be getting minutes in a game like that. Yeah, I agree. If you look at at the start, Pavara was coming in in the the big games, like you say, so that would suggest to me at least that the manager liked him, trusted him, because you're not going to, you're not going to leave a guy on the bench for a couple of games and then when a big game comes around to put him in, you're only going to do that if you are managing his minutes because you know you're going to need him in these big occasions so I, I don't understand how he's not been featuring more because I feel like since he came back from his loan I feel like it looks to me like he's a better player Yeah, I have questions over his ability to last 90 minutes because any game he has started he does look like he's running out of steam way before yeah. he should do in my opinion but I, I don't understand how he didn't feature and Baron I don't know if he, I guess he's not really had a chance to get going this season, because we probably do need a run of games, uh, and if like if he's if he's gone, then he's not going to sign anything. Then we should be, we should be playing him. Yeah, um, you know, if he's a better player, you should be playing him. Like, I mean, I don't not playing him to force him to sign something is counterintuitive. If that was the the tactic, and if he and if he is away, I don't know what we would be. You know, presumably, he's out of contract, isn't he? He's out of contract then. The summer but you get some be- sort of development fee, but that's. <clears throat> I guess where I'm going with this is you're not protecting a big a, a big transfer fee. No, you're not. No, you're not. So play him, and it sounds horrible to say, but if he gets injured, that's Baron's decision to yeah. not sign a contract with us or leave himself exposed as a free agent, or if in January he signs a pre-contract again, still. It's I, all if it's maybe sacrificing the the team yeah. for almost like political reasons it's all if buts and maybe just now if he decides to sign yep. a pre-contract with somebody in January it's a different conversation at that point I think because I think at that point you go okay you, you probably try and get him off the books as soon as you can in, in the sense of you try and do a deal with whoever he signed a pre-contract yep. for to take him early and you just you get it over and done with um, that makes we, sense but as it stands right now as, he is our player yeah exactly and it, I don't know it's, it's it has gone very quiet again on the bad in front around I know that there were in talks about looking to extend his deal it has gone all quiet on that front again. I know I've seen some rumours doing the rounds that he signed a pre-contract or he is going to sign a pre-contract at um, a club. I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if that was to happen. Um, 
But it's it, it, it's astonishing. And it, it's amazing that the likes of Shinny and Hayes lasted the full 90 minutes last night. Um, and just as I was going to touch on, players like Connor Barr and Esther Sokler were then just sitting, kicking their heels on the bench. Yeah, I don't... <clears throat> I don't understand it, to be honest. Especially when... Well, I'm not pretending to be... Like, this isn't even down to tactics. It, it wasn't working. You know, yeah. we were... Anybody we were not that. dominating the midfield. We weren't really. I mean, that role, you know, Shinny wasn't charging around, or he wasn't uh, pressing the way he wouldn't. I guess the fact that he was booked obviously kind of negates his game plan. And then that role wasn't allowing Clarkson. I didn't feel to be doing what he was doing last season. So oh. you know, nobody was really getting the the best out of that. And the fact that that wasn't changed. I just don't understand it, especially when you know he's got more subs. Yeah, and the biggest challenge for me, uh, Bobby Soggy's biscuit, we'll get him on in a second or two. Um, he makes a good point with this as well. Is that last night, how many times when the, the, the back three in particular, or Kel Roos for that matter, had the ball at their feet and they were knocking the ball aimlessly between themselves before deciding to hoof the ball in the direction in which they were facing? How many times, though, when they looked up, were the two midfields in front of them effectively running away from the ball? They weren't showing for the ball at all. Yeah. And I th- that puts pressure on the back line um, to that extent. But it also makes me think that this is what's being asked of them to do because I don't think, and, and, and Bobby will talk about this in a minute, I don't think any midfielder of the calibre of the likes of Leighton Clarkson doesn't want to drop deep and take the ball and, and try and get on the ball and dictate play. They're being told to do this. That. That would be my interpretation as well. I, I just, you know, you look at what he did when he came in on loan, wasn't running away from the ball. And, you know, he's he's probably the best, if you are one of the best technical players yeah. in the team. He was creative last season, uh, creating, you know, assists and scoring a goal himself. I, yeah, I refuse to believe that he's decided... I don't want to have anything to do with that. Can you shell it up and I'll see what we can do with it? I just yeah. don't accept that. And this is where I guess it's... Because <clears throat> you don't really know what's going on. You look at, like, for example, there's an example, you criticise Clarkson, oh, he's not playing as well last season, he's running away from the ball. But on the other hand, is he just being a good solid pro by saying, well, that's what I'm told to do. So I will I will enact the manager's game plan. Uh, you never... You never really get to know the the real truth, do you? Yeah. I, I just don't think a player like Leighton Clarkson's default setting is to run away from the ball. And I'm I don't not think, any of their. I don't think any of them is. I think is, a lot of them want to take responsibility. I think there's decent players in that. Yeah. Squad and yeah, I don't think they want to be waiting for the defence or the keeper to launch it to no one. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the goalkeeper. Perhaps our performance last night was best summed up by Kelrys slicing a free kick. <laughs> straight out of play in the second half. Oh, yeah, I'm kind of getting pretty fed up with... Uh, he's starting to frustrate me. I mean, he made a good save in the first half. He did. In the wise header. But then, you know, there's another one, another game where he just punches it out to the yep. opposition. Uh, we don't get punished. And kicking all game is just so bad. You know, first half, it's just everyone just shelling it towards that sort of corner flag area between the the Dick Donald and the main stand and all Kelly did was put one of their six footers there and he just headed away every single ball and every time pathetic and yeah that one in the second half <laughs> but it's just it's inexcusable because anytime he has the ball it's just coming back to us it is absolutely inexcusable it's certainly at a free kick when you've got no pressure on you uh, yeah I understand the ball's rolling or yeah you're getting closed down Fine, you can. I think you can make genuine allowances for. Well, he's a goalkeeper. That's all. That's all fair. He's meant but, to be good with the ball at his feet. <clears> though, <throat> well, he isn't. <laughs> that's I mean, just a fact. And and to cap that off, I I am desperately going to lose my patience with players who will turn around the support and give it the kind of calm down gesture. Yeah, after they've been served up with absolute fucking nonsense. Yeah, I think they can. Uh... Yeah, they can fuck off with that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, given the run of games we have coming up, um, of which Kelly was the, the start of that, given how important this run of home fixtures is, was, that performance was a real 
sign to me about the fact that Robson can't motivate this team appropriately. You know, they should have been up for that game last night from the word go, getting the fans on side, getting everyone, you know, have some confidence that we can go on a run here between now and the end of December and get ourselves up the table. And instead, it's just flat, uninspiring nonsense, perhaps summed up in the opening six seconds of the game and it was highlighted on um, BBC sports scene last night that our opening kickoff and we'll, you know, there's the, the Watkins on Gartenman issue aside, we start the kickoff by Leighton Clarkson just passing the ball straight back to Kel Roos to smash the ball at the park. And even Neil McCann's laughing about how he, he doesn't think he's seen that since the 1980s. He's not wrong though. Yeah, but when boys like that can actually make genuine observations, um, I, I can't, what I can't understand is ignoring whether people want to see that or not. That's kind of almost irrelevant at this point is you don't have the players for that. No. You know, if, we, if you go and sign a couple of battering rams or a big man, little man combo, and that's how you, you know, that is probably what you would want to be doing. Then you could say, well, there's a game plan and you've got the players to, you know, that, that will uh, be able to complete that game plan. You've got Duke, Sokler, Miofsky, neither of them particularly tall or strong in that role and are much better running on the ball or, you know, being able to control the ball, find a teammate, yeah. etc. because they're good footballers. It's just lunacy. I feel so sorry for these guys up the top end of the park being asked to deal with this type of shit. Like, they are yeah. literally being asked to make chicken salad out of chicken shit on a week-by-week -week basis at this moment in time. And it's no... I, I know I see a lot of people, like, complaining about, you know, Duke's form this season and how it has fallen off a cliff. And it has. It's, it's not as... It's not been as impressive this year as it was last season. That's being ex extremely kind. But is any wonder either when he's being asked to play this type of nonsense football? Well, I think that's it. But you can... I mean... I've singled him out as well because I thoroughly enjoyed him last season. It's not really happening. But you could look across the board mm -hmm. for the guys that uh, were there last season and say, well, is it really happening the same way? It's not happening for Clarkson. It's not happening for Duke. Miofsky, probably goal scored is similar or better, but he's having games where he's not really in them. And I don't think that's necessary. You know, he's not become a bad player. For so if you look to score the, board, the number of goals he's scored at this moment in time this season, quite outrageous. Given the complete lack of actual, genuinely decent service we give him, I think is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, but you could look across the board, and I don't yeah, you think can. you could actually say that anyone is performing as well as last season. And I don't think it's these guys have these guys haven't become bad, or that I don't think it's that they are bad they players. Don't care yeah. or yeah, or they're complacent. It's, I think they're doing what they're being told to do, and it's doesn't suit the squad we've got yeah I, I know we've debunked the whole the clubs you know football strategy slash philosophy that they released with great hurrah back in 2019 on so many occasions on this show and i had to go and dig it out again last night um just to tweet it out at halftime because of how bad that first half had been I and mean, i might just keep doing it now on a weekly basis um and we all know it's word salad and it's basically bullshit right but by putting that out, it has given us as the support something to measure these guys against, right? They've kind of made a rod for their own back by doing it. But we're failing across the board on this. Yes, yeah, so like, I know we've kind of taken the, the piss. But my view is like there's nothing wrong with having a <clears throat> strategy, a plan, philosophy, whatever you want to call it. The club should be striving to improve and better itself. Mm. And ultimately... Every fan, whether they are in a position where they can support the club financially or whether it's just an emotional connection, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's basically an investment and you're entitled to see something back yeah. for that. So having the strategy and the plan is not the, like for a personal way, that's not why I'm mocking. The words are just words. There's no definition or meaning. They don't, no one could tell you what they actually mean. There's no context to them. But also... This is just one of many, many things that the club's put out and disappears. It doesn't go anywhere. Where's it been referred to recently? Where's the update? Where's the sort of checking in of, right, here's here's what we said we're going to do and we're ahead or behind in certain areas or, you know, we're struggling or we thought we could do this and we're maybe struggling. It's another thing, like all these link-ups. We put it out. Nothing happens. Um, 
coincidentally, usually when they want my money, um, and then it just gets <laughs> forgotten about. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we need to measure where we are in the football mastery metric right now. Um, but, again, <laughs> what is football mastery? Well, we are mastering certain parts of football um, when it comes to lurching from shit show to shit show on a season by season basis. Yeah. So yeah, the, <clears throat> having a philosophy is not what I am mocking. The state of it, and again, it's just another idea someone's had and it gets forgotten about. I would love to know whether or not they actually do wheel that out at any point within the club these days and actually look at it and go, how are we doing against all these things that we said we were going to do? And I know when we spoke to Tom Watt about this, and Tom's absolutely right about it, like, so much of this is like aspirational stuff and every club in the world will want to say they do all these things and actually it's really difficult to do all of these things in one go, especially when you're a club operating at our level. But I don't know. I just, I feel that like they've made a rod thrown back by putting stuff like that out and almost kind of thinking we're all going to forget about it. Yeah. You know? And I also, it's, I'm not, and maybe that particular document didn't sway people to part with their money for a ticket sale or something like that. But all of this stuff is, there comes a point where it's just misleading. Uh, which is absolutely fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's not how, that's not really how a fan base should be treated. I think sometimes people forget that the club isn't theirs. You know, some people are in a position where they can afford to put money into the club and and invest in it and, you know, become an owner, whatever it may be. But I think people forget that it only exists because of everyone who has a connection yeah. with there the are, club. There are times where it feels as a support we are being gaslit on a yeah. fairly fucking frequent basis with a lot of this type of stuff. And you touched on it last week when we talked about the Helsinki game. You know, it's like, the club wants to talk up our European heritage and our European history and how we want to be a UEFA top 100 club, whatever the fuck that really means and all that kind of stuff. But then when it comes to actually, you know, last week in Helsinki with the opportunity to, as you say, you know, get coefficient points on the board for us as a club, not just for the country, um, cash money in the bank, you know, I don't want to say stamp our authority on the group, but, you know, prove that we belong on that level but pride and prestige i mean two yeah, draws you know, against a team from iceland iceland finland i don't think it's particularly um i don't think it's a great but to then outcome. go out and watch the manager put out what is effectively a third string team and i know yep. some people will sit and go well it was a dead rubber it didn't matter the league game was much more important i'll tell you what resting all those players against helsinki hasn't made a fucking jot of difference we've yep. lost the last two games coming off the back of it you know, I just, I, I find stuff like that to be more egregious as the season continues. Last night, I mean, I think you, I, even Gav is is, is coming around to this now, <clears throat> have lost patience with this, um, with the particular, with, with, with the regime as it stands at the moment. Last night was the clearest indication in ground, I think, that patience was running out for Robson across a large element of support. You saw it at full time. Ultimately, these these situations, these scenarios, they only go one way from here on in. It's a matter of when and, and not if anymore, isn't it? I think, unfortunately, probably, yes. I can't think of any, not just Aberdeen examples, but I can't, <clears throat> nothing pops into my mind when you think of an example where, where results have been so poor versus reasonable expectations and money invested, et cetera, et cetera, ticket sales, all the rest of it, where it's got to this point and it's been recovered. Yeah. It generally just limps along, doesn't it? Well, you're two, you, you end up in two camps, me. One is the doom spiral. Yeah. And it just gets fucking worse. And it gets too bad too quickly and it can't be reversed. Or you end up in a situation where somebody somewhere within the club finally wakes up to what's going on and makes the decision to pull the ripcord. And um, that might be painful for a whole number of people involved to have to go and do that again. But it, like I say, it's inevitable that this is where we're gonna where we're gonna end up heading to now. I don't I, I don't like in my in my time supporting Aberdeen, I've never seen a situation where a manager's been able to recover from that um that first chant of manager, manager, get the fuck to turn it around 
I just it just doesn't happen. And you're right. I think on a more global footballing basis, it doesn't happen. Um, you know, again, putting it into context and putting it into to, to to statistics and data, data, and I know that people in the club like to pretend they um, read into the data. It's twenty four percent win percentage now for Robson in all competitions since he became permanent manager. It's only 21% in the league. We've only won four games out of 19 in the league since he became permanent manager. I mean, a 24% win percentage across all competitions. That is the lowest win percentage of any permanent Aberdeen manager. The closest would be Mark McGee and Alex Miller, who both ended up on 27% across all competitions. Um, <clears throat> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's only going to go one way from here on. So, you know, you put it like that, people have been sacked to better records. So, yeah. <clears throat> it's all, you know, if you look back just the last couple of seasons, good winning glass, <laughs> if their records and the points on the board was the tipping point and we're probably like for like worse than that, why is this not the tipping point? Oh, we are worse than that. We we know we are worse than that at this moment in time after 14 games. Um, I guess the, the club also makes a rod for their own bat by deciding that getting beat by Darvel in the Scottish Cup is not a sackable offence in and of itself. Well, uh, there is that. I mean, I the last few weeks, not necessarily been convinced it could be turned around, but there were more games available in the league. And obviously there's still a little over half the season to go. So there are plenty of games to play. But when you're just looking at the, the table, you think, what would be reasonable reference points? Would you expect to be five points behind Dundee, the same games played? Uh, I certainly wouldn't. Um, and even if you think, uh, you know, if we were to win, say we play the next game, we win it, you know, on 16 points or seven points behind parts with the same number of games yeah. played. You know, it's all, it's not insurmountable. I think last season proved that. But very, very soon, it's going to be that, you know, presumably third has to be the objective. And that is going to be very, very difficult to achieve because you're then in that scenario where you need to go on a hell of a run. How likely is that? And you need everyone else to botch it. And it kind of happened last season, but I'm not certain you would get two seasons in a row where you could rely on hearts and hips to kind of fall apart and us to basically win yeah you know a huge on that same sort of run as we did last season yeah exactly yeah um, it's, it seems un- unlikely and bearing in mind as well we're currently sitting behind the Motherwell side who haven't won a game since the 3rd of September but that's in it and it's in Johnson that, side it looked like they were done yeah absolutely and, and, and granted that's only you know, there's a point with a game in hand but still they've made a change Got a few more points on the board. County made a change, a few more points on the board. We've, in my opinion, significantly made a better first 11. Hibs made a change. Um, For all I, we I, laugh about, like, <clears throat> Hibs and everything, Montgomery's actually been relatively steady since he's come in. You know, they've only lost two games now since he, well, three games now, I think, since he came in. Um to either side of um, the Glasgow two and then to us in the semi-final. But apart from that, they've been fairly steady and they've got themselves up the table, as you can kind of see. Um, Bobby Soggy's biscuit. We talked about him earlier on. Let's just see what Bobby had to say. I knew we were bad, but Jesus, that was a new low. I even contacted the Red TV support team to say that their stream caused my eyes to bleed. That was bad. <laughs> um, he's got to go now. I was all for having a so-called homegrown manager and hoping things worked out for the best, but no, it's just, it's time to go. We've not got a midfield in there anymore. I watched them string 10 passes max together yesterday before launching the ball forward. Midfield running away from the centre halves anytime they get on the ball. And that's coached into them. It has to be. No self-respect in midfielder doesn't want to come deep and get the ball unless you're Connor Barron. But He's got to go now. It's, uh, but it just begs the question, who do we change him with? Which is, of course, the multi-million dollar question about who you do change him with. Bobby did then follow us up with a message say he didn't mean, unless you're Conor Barron, in a pejorative sense, he meant Conor Barron's one of the only midfielders currently on the team who will come and take the ball off the back I, line. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not just Robson's role, though, here that needs to be questioned again, is it? I don't 
it always it ends up being the manager yeah that loses their job that's that's always the case you know I think in seasons gone past um, gone by definitely some of the players should have gone at the same time as the manager because they just weren't you know they didn't look interested they weren't performing I don't think we're we're there with the players yet but it's always the manager that suffers but it's not I don't think it's entirely you know I don't know what he's being requested to do you know is there any suggestion interference from the top as to how things should be done who knows but ultimately he was appointed by the same people who are now going to be what four years running uh well Pointing. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So, i mean the, the guinness one is slightly different he'd run its course uh-huh. had uh, that so that's a different scenario but they they picked glass it didn't work they picked good one it didn't work they picked robson albeit i have it's a kind it's a slightly different scenario that one because it's almost like how could you not pick robson the way things went so I, i'm actually yeah. my frustration isn't necessarily i wasn't convinced at the time but I understand why that decision was made. So I'm not necessarily at this point uh, bringing out the old hindsight and saying, oh, it's another terrible decision. But what I am saying is, when is this going to be resolved? Yeah, I think the, the counterpoint I would always make to the part about the Robson appointment, I think it's fair to suggest it became more and more difficult for them not to give him the job the longer it went on. Which would suggest they didn't winning, have a plan. Which is what I was going to get back to. Was Aye, yeah. The more he kept on winning in that run, it became more and more difficult for them not to give him the job, right? Yep. And so there's an, on one hand, you can go, maybe this one's not on them because they were kind of forced into it because he did such a good job when he came in as the, as the caretaker. Okay, fine. But I would also, I, I would counter that by then saying, but the reason we got to that position is because we dithered and dallied over a binning Goodwin in the first place. Because again, it feels like it was like this season, like the back end of last season, whereby eh, this point last season or thereabouts when we came back after the World Cup break, especially where you went, this is only going to go one way as well. <clears throat> yeah. And if you're telling me that at that point they still weren't then considering a succession plan who they should be bringing in. It became pretty clear to me, I think, that they didn't really know who they wanted or had identified anybody who they may even want to think about targeting. They spent too long on that process. And by the time they got around to interviewing people, uh, Barry had basically, you know, baked himself into the manager's hot seat by that point. It became difficult, I think, for the club to consider doing anything but give him the reins permanently because there was then always going to be that question about well, if he gets us into third and then we bin him off and a new guy comes in and let's just say, I don't know, let's just say it's a a coach from outside of Scotland who comes in with completely different ideas about how he wants to go and it maybe takes, it's a bit of a slow burn and it takes time to get going. You're going to have a, a, a chunk of the support starting to this season going, what the fuck is this? Like, we've binned off the guy that got us into Europe and that's a fucking disgrace and all that. And I can, I can see totally why see you that side of it though. situation. Yeah why we get where we get but i still think that the <clears throat> the chairman the board the fmb need to also take a level of a blame around it because they spent so fucking long deciding what they were going to do that we ended up in this situation um how often do we see caretaker managers who become the permanent ones actually really work out in the long run it's quite yeah rare. yeah um, not... i think a lot of us i think i spoke about it i i, I I'll go back and look at the archives on it. I'm pretty sure I remember talking about the fact that I'm interested to see what Robson does in the new season because I was like, I can't imagine he'll be allowed to perpetuate the type of football that's got us to this point. It was like a kind of means to an end last season, but I expected there was going to be an onus put on him to change that style, to to change the way we played, to be a little bit more um, in line with what the much vaunted strategy said and i guess um stuart greg maybe um here is is going to encapsulate what i'm trying to say a little bit further as well around just maybe it's not just robson that perhaps needs to be looked at here hi flight boys a little bit rough a day um why is Nadie speaking about getting at fucking charlotte and fucking travel agent 
Nay, that there's an Alvira travel agent gun out a club and a director of football. Iman is an absolute balloon. Get him out and a. Perhaps a bit stronger than I was going to go with myself, but um, it's it's a fair question, isn't it? I mean, you know, guns have been in this role now for a while. Um, ultimately, football operations and in inverted commas, if you want to put it that way, that's his remit. And we're failing miserably over this. I don't think, I don't think you can single out one person because that would imply that he makes all the decisions. Of course. So he's he is a part of the decision making pro- uh, process, and collectively, the decision making process has led us to probably having to change our manager around about the turn of the year. Yet, a, you know, for for yet another season. So something isn't working. Um, and I probably wouldn't be pointing to, I don't know what he would be described as, middle management. <laughs> I wouldn't be pointing to, and I don't mean that in a no, no, disrespectfully, no. I, I wouldn't be pointing my fingers at a guy who is probably in a position of proposing a plan or a strategy or a player. I'd be pointing my fingers at the ones that say, that's a good idea, I'm going to do that. We spent big over the summer back in Robson. Um, it's yep. led to an imbalanced squad again despite the fact we were told that this wouldn't happen again. Um, I made this point on Twitter last night, and I think people were maybe getting the wrong end of stick as to what I was trying to do, but the squad's been built very much around, I think, playing with a back three. Um, it's expensively assembled. A number of players are in there on decent length deals. We've got little to no quality, natural wide players in the squad. Um, if when the decision comes and a new man comes in who even just wants to make a couple of tweaks to the squad to fit his way of playing so let's just say he wants to play 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 or something like that uh, manner he might struggle a new manager with that because presumably there's going to be a situation where players are going to have to leave to help balance the books because we were running I think we spoke about when the accounts for last season came out we were running it was it over 75% Wages to turn over was, was in that ballpark. It was in that ballpark or very slightly over. Yeah. But that 75 magical number is almost a tipping point between that's pretty close to the bone to yeah. actually that's indicative of problems potentially and mismanagement. And that's last season's or last <laughs> year's. So it doesn't include this year, which presumably has gone up yep. again with some of the acquisitions we've made in the summer. Um so again, it's there's going to become potentially a challenge here around the squad. And I, I don't want to say a full rebuild, but it might be back to that again because a new manager could come in here and go, I don't want to play 3-5-2. We've got too many centre-halves in the books. I want to play in this sort of way. I need more wingers. I need another striker like this. I don't like the strikers who are here. And that for me is almost another massive red flag about the club at the moment. Is It's this complete lack of actual strategy as we continually lurch from one shit show to the next and that there's no coherent succession planning in place i can't remember how when did we speak to theo tenkal on this show i feel like theo was one of the very way first back episodes. in the early days i want to say it was like episode four or something right it was really really early on yeah and i remember talking about this how we talked about you know to to try and succeed as a football club where you're a try to bring through young talent and be a conveyor belt from you know from bringing youth through to, to them be in a position to sell them for decent money. Um, you needed to have a coherent approach to how you played football from top through bottom. So first team plays 4-3-3, the entire club plays 4-3-3, and you stick to that so that when a player comes through the system and they play, I don't know, the middle of the three in the midfield, when they get to first team, they're used to playing in that way. They know how to do it. <clears throat> and okay, sometimes that has to be flexed up and down. But as he was saying, is if you then suddenly go to, uh, if you've been doing that for years or you've had that idea and then you suddenly flip to a manager who then wants to play, and I'm going to use this for an example right now for no reason other than it's what's current in my mind, who wants to play 3-5-2. And you're suddenly asking players to do completely different jobs all of a sudden. It almost completely undermines what's happening in the youth setup to an extent. 
and you kind of almost have to you don't have to rip it all up and start again but you're you've you've probably undermined quite a bit of work that's gone into that um and i think to clubs you know who i think we should be aspiring to be like um teams like brentford teams like brighton are good examples of this where they have a a very clear idea in their heads about what they want to do and how they want to play and all of their thinking around the footballing side of the of, of the club is based on that and they sign players to play in a system to play in a shape to play in a manner that they want to see and they're out there looking for players now you know two three years in advance of when the transfer window is going to come around they're thinking about it from a managerial perspective as well they're identifying coaches who fit with that model we've just not we, we just don't do it like we've lurched now from it's like we started to do it with glass. It's like we went blank sheet of paper. This is what we want to do. And Stephen Glass is going to be the guy. And okay, Stephen Glass wasn't the guy as it turned out. But then we lurched into Goodwin. And it being like, fuck, we're in a mess with glass. And shit, we might get relegated. And we need a safe pair of hands. We've got a bit of experience. Uh, and Jim's just gone on a decent run at St. Minutes. So fuck it, he'll do. But it never really felt like that was a that didn't match the Goodwin appointment never matched with the the idea, with the notion, yep. with the the, the 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 strategy. I hate coming back to it. And then Goodwin came in and did whatever it did, and it was a fucking mess. And then we've gone, fuck, I need to rip that up. And we've gone like we've lurched to a completely different position. And that's the biggest problem for me now is that you when it when it happens, and it will happen probably sooner rather than later, I imagine. I've got no confidence at all about the fact that the FMB or the board really know what they're looking for anymore. Yeah, I think that is a fair point and it's probably quite a worrying point because if, you, if you're if you set on what you want, you know, it might not be the first guy, might not work out, but you can kind of be <clears throat> looking around to see who's doing what we want and who might be available, who do you think we you know. You can kind of plan for it, you know, the same with the point with the, the players. You might be looking at uh, another 14s tournament or something like that. You know, this guy plays well in our system. So, you know, let's keep tabs on him, see how he develops as he's 15, 16, 17. Yeah. And you can be looking. It must be difficult for the recruitment guys. If, you know, I don't know, one season it's wingers. If he's a winger, he's got winger on a CV, sign him. Sign need him. him. want him. And then the next season it's like, if he's got winger, oh, use these boys, bet him yeah. off. Uh, you know, the scattergun approach is difficult to plan for and get the better players or the gems and the, and the value but yeah as a board if you like you know the glass is probably the example because it was the first reset that we had yeah. um it wasn't necessarily what he was trying to achieve and how he was going about it there was the problem he just wasn't the man at that time um with everything that was going on especially i think we didn't have mowbray's sort of head of recruitment at that point so i think well, my understanding is that, you know, obviously Glass came in to be the manager and then obviously landed with stuff that he didn't expect to do and didn't have the experience to do. Yeah. But that direction of a brand or whatever you want to call it, the style of football, wasn't necessarily the problem. The no. problem was the wrong appointment. And then, like you say, knee-jerking, ripping it all up, lurching off in some other direction that meant any sort of building blocks or good work that have been done by not just a glass, but recruitment team elsewhere within the football club that you never actually get to see and hear of is, is, is all gone. It's money wasted, yeah. it's time wasted. And then we start again and we start again. And that, it's the constant, what appears to be the constant chopping and changing of direction is actually probably more concerning than the appointments. We might be wrong, but we'll never be confused, said somebody, as I recall once. <sighs> I tell you, we look fucking confused is the best way to put it right now. I mean, can they sack him before the cup final? Like, I see loads of people suggest we can't possibly do it. But is it actually possibly worth to leave him until the cup final? Because if he wins it... Not if you look at his record against him this season. <laughs> it's just fair. But if he wins it, does that then set like this really like odd almost worst situation where you have a cup winning manager but league performances continue in this trend i mean you have to bin him anyway this won't i'm sure this won't be a popular opinion but my 
my take is, uh, well, obviously you want him to win the cup. But for me, that is a get-out-of-jail-free card. He's won the cup. Ben him on a high. Take the flak. Everyone's saying, oh, you can't, you know, I'm sure there'll be fans saying you can't sack him. He's won a cup. The media will have a field day. But who cares? Ben him. Robson gets to say, well, you know, okay, I won a cup with Aberdeen. He will always be held in high regard at that point. It'll, it'll almost be academic what he did league win and his percentage when he won a cup. But the trajectory we are on isn't one that he wins the cup and then we start tearing up the league. I would say that would be a perfect parting point. You say keep him in the cup final. Hope like, he wins it. I don't see the point of changing it. I don't see the point in changing it now. It's so close. I, I just don't see what... Would you really get an instant bounce enough that you'd be competitive with them? And his record, I know... His record against them know, is actually I know, I know, reasonable. I, I, know. If I say reasonable, it's actually very good. So I, I don't I don't think changing, I think the upheaval and maybe the unsettling in the dressing room, because for all I know, everyone will know that the results are garbage. But for all I know, the dressing room like him. You know, so if they're all happy with him, maybe up unsettling things might not have the desired effect that you're thinking you might get by a new manager bounce. But I don't think... I don't think him winning it necessarily changes the fact that uh, it probably buys probably... him like two or three weeks, and then if he loses the next two or three league games on the spin after that, then you go into January. Well, arguably that's a natural second point as well. Yeah, end of the year. Um, um, you know, but then I that only know. works if you've got someone lined up for oh, exactly like the first of January. So there's a whole window. There's no point in you know, dithering. And then you've got the winter break and all the rest of it. And then by the oh. time you get around to doing something, the window's shut. Be classic dons. Sack him on the 31st of December. Appoint a new guy. Last day of the transfer window. Lovely stuff. Um, Lee Ross had quite an interesting question. I'm intrigued to see your answer to this one, Graham. Hi, gents. Hopefully this will be irrelevant by the time you guys sit down. It's but not. Just try to see it from a different perspective. If you guys were in the position of the FMB... What is it about Robson's tenure so far that would convince you he's worth giving more time to? Personally, I can't see anything, but I know there's different opinions out there. Anyway, all the best. Conan Graham, if you were Willie Garner, what's making you think, okay, I've seen enough here, he gets more time? The compensation fee. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't. It's obviously it's easier being on this side of the fence where I will never be in that position and actually on a you know sort of I can't imagine relieving someone of their duties it's a pleasant experience so I don't envy anyone who's got to make that decision but I can't imagine considering these are quote unquote real football people anyone's looking at this and seeing anything that they've enjoyed to date with maybe the odd exception obviously the win at Ibrox was uh, unusual and most welcome. But I don't see how anyone can be looking at this. Uh, and all you're probably doing is looking at, it's, it's just eroding the value of a Duke Armyovsky because every week that goes by and you get this shite, they're not playing, you know, they're not really in the transfer or that sort of marketplace. And actually you, you run the risk of them getting fed up. You know, you don't want your better players deciding they want out before we're at a point where we want to cash out. So I don't see how anyone could be looking at this. Um, I guess they've got access to more time with everyone. They'll see what happens on the training pitch, but it's all kind of irrelevant if you can't put a game plan in place on a match day that, I was going to say, gets you three points every time, even just makes you competitive. So uh, I suppose a a long answer to a question that should have been quite short, um, I don't see what they would see. Yeah, I think it's very difficult right now. Um, you might point at certain performances, um, but I would look at those performances, and when I say those performances, I'd look at Eintracht away, but we still got beat, but we, we put up a good showing in that game. I'd yep. look at Ibrox this season. Um, I'd look at Pauk away. It's probably about it, I think. Uh, Pouk at home for 70-odd minutes. 
But I think what I'd also look at with those games is I would say those are games where we set up in a manner that was very much based around we are, I hate to say this, but we we, we did set up in this way. We are the inferior team. Mm-hmm. And we are going to play with a bank of five, a bank of four. We'll have one up top. We'll be well-organized, well-drilled. We will attempt to hit people on the counter. And I thought we did that quite effectively. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll try and kind of grab something playing that way. And that's fine to an extent in those games. But the, the, the part for the FNB we're looking at says, how many games a season do we expect to be the inferior team on the pitch from a budget perspective? Uh, and Other than when you're playing the gruesome gruesome in the league, yeah, sure, you've got better, you've got more resources, or you're our minimum. Yeah, you've got better than everything else, other than maybe hearts and heads, in which case you're comparable. Yeah, and I'd be looking at, I'd be looking at performances against all the other, I'd be looking at all the other performances apart from those three. To be fair, and going in the games where we vastly um, out outspend outperform whatever or, or like clubs yeah. like and i hate you know clubs like Comar, like, but but teams like come with the budget they have you know to get turned over the way we did yesterday to struggle against st Mirren and paisley to struggle against livingston at, at Vale, to struggle to beat who were an absolutely horseshit st johnston at Pataudry. um those are the things i would point i would look at and go i'm really concerned about that because if he can't get this team this squad into a place that we can dominate those types of games and really, you know, I don't want to say steamroller, that's kind of almost been a bit disrespectful, but we should be. We, sh- we should be. Well, I mean, if you look if you look through sport in general, at the end of a, a season, with the odd exception, and that's what makes sport in general so uh, enthralling and scintillating, is the fact that it's not Sorry, always I was the enthralled and scintillated last night, Graham. It's almost always the richest teams that are successful now the, I guess the the reason we all stick at it is whether you're playing something or you're just a spectator is because there's always the chance that someone's going to do something to buck the trend but more often than not in a league campaign it's generally ranked by money yeah. and that we are not delivering anywhere near where the, the budget you know the budget says we should be no I agreed agreed um, it's a mess isn't it it's a mess, and again, so disappointing. I mean, you know, you think the way last season went, actually pre World Cup, you know, going rather well. Our league position was decent. Home games were all right, and yeah, I mean, some of the defending was kind of hilarious, but we're scoring goals. Record was reasonable. Enjoyed yeah. quite a few of the games. Then obviously the the drop off, and I think it's really disappointing. We recover third. All the feel good factor around. The club selling shirts, tickets. You know, I feel like the fan base. You know, there was a sort of call to arms from the club. It was answered, and here we are. Uh, I think that's what hurts more. Actually, it's not. It's probably not the fact that we find ourselves um, second bottom. It's a genuine hope and excitement and enthusiasm. Um, you know, certainly from my point of view. And it was great to see record season ticket sales. We've all been desperate to see Pataudry getting close to full on a more regular basis. And then it's just all going to peter out. Here's a question for you. Right, so this is um, this is our third season doing this nonsense. Is this, is this the worst it's been so far in these three seasons since we've been doing this? I, I don't know if it's different. But like under glass... It was a lot of it was sort of possession for possession's sake, but there was some actual football in there. It's just we were a, we didn't really have a, that ruthless cutting edge on a regular basis up front, and the defence was pretty comical. And then you had Goodwin, where the defence was pretty comical, um, but there were some good moments in that, and I think there was less of the style of football we've seen under Robson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now you have slightly comical defending, but none of the... None of the redeeming features. None of the redeeming features. So and I know we've had the excitement of the European campaign and it's good to have Aberdeen back in European 
competition as a, as a, as a club and I guess it's good for the city to get some visitors in, et cetera, et cetera. But from the football point of view, just from what you see on the pitch, I think I think this has to be the worst. We've regressed quite a bit. I feel it's the worst as well because of the hope and the expectation we came into the season with. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that because this there was a real genuine yeah. excitement uh, and it's difficult to see how that gets recovered. This club, man. This fucking club. Um, yeah. Right, let's quickly do this. I, I was going to do a little bit more um, of a preview for uh, Saturday, but it's it's late now. Um, Saturday, Hearts at Pataudry. Um Hearts come to this one off the back of that one they'll defeat to Sev come Wednesday night, but the results kind of went their way, which means they still sit in third place in the league coming into it. Prior to Wednesday night, they'd won four in the bounce which has helped them get up above St Mirren in the table. Um, obviously, last meeting, a 2-0 win for Hearts at Tyne Castle. We won the last game at Pataudry. 3-0 back in March as their campaign was imploding as we were starting to rise at the table. As it's been well noted on a number of occasions, these games tend to favour the home side. Hearts haven't won at Pataudry since May 2016. Of course, they did have a spell outside of the top flight, which we need to remember in that. Um, but maybe we can't be mocking that too much right about now. We're in no position <laughs> to be taking a piss out of anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, what do you expect to see on on Saturday from us? I mean, you you should expect to see a big reaction. Um, we should expect to see a team going out there to try and put right what went wrong on Wednesday and to try and really get the, the, the league campaign back on track and try and get some belief back into everybody that we can actually somehow get up the table. But... Um, if we play the same way we play against Kilmarnock, and I don't expect us to change that, we're going to play right into the hands of this heart side, aren't we? And I fear that it could just be the same result. I, I can't really see anything other than that. And and it's kind of like, well, if you say we suddenly do turn it on, that's almost more uh-huh. annoying, confusing. Because well, where the hell's that been? I I can't see anything other than just sort of serving up the same fear that we did on Wednesday and I agree I don't think we'll get any change out of their defence with that approach and I think our midfield will just go overrun and it's a huge opportunity for Hearts as well if they win I can't what are we now are we, we're 10 points behind at the moment I think we right. are 10 points behind albeit with a game in hand Okay, but you know they'd be 13, 13 even if you clear. said we win the game they'd be 10 they've, they've got a huge cushion it, yeah. like these games are going to come down to at the point where you don't have the, the games against them to play as your gap. Yeah, exactly. Then you can't control it. I mean, 13 clear is bigger than the gap I think they had on us last year when Goodwin left, I'm it, pretty certain. I think yeah, well, and when you look at the relative point. forms, the yeah. longer things stay as they are, the gap you would expect is only going to get bigger. And then it probably sounds a bit silly being halfway through the season, but you're almost at the point where it's insurmountable. It, it, so it would be, I'd be surprised as well to see um, the same capitulation happen two seasons in a row. Um, yeah, and, and, then you, and then you look at the run twice. we'd have to go on yeah. from starting further behind. Yeah, that that's difficult to do for any team. So yeah, uh, yeah. and then uh, you know you get to the the season. If you're not finishing third, I think that has to be a failure. Uh, of course, um, I don't know. If he fails to win on Saturday, and I know you talked to him about how he should stay to the cup final, but if he fails to win on Saturday, um, and let's just take the view that Hearts come and do a bit of a number on us, it becomes difficult for them to keep him in for the final, doesn't it? I think it's difficult for them either either way, because if if they if they wait until past Saturday, Saturday's a disaster. They're going to get criticised for making a change before a cup final and, it, and if they don't they're going to get criticised for not making a change so and, the, and the, probably the biggest thing is if you're going to make the change who do you who is it it's not going to be your actual manager Johnny Hayes you know with jokes aside it's going to be it, it, it might be Johnny Hayes <laughs> it's, it's going to be Stuart someone Duff. Stuart Duff could lead us out of hand then I suppose my point is it's not going to be a new permanent manager. It's going to be someone who has got little or no experience or is not necessarily in a better position than Robson to lead the team out. Craig Sampson. 
maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. Just um, as it turns out, was Liam Fox the brains behind the operation? Maybe. My hearts have improved. There we go. Um, right. I've had enough about talking about this nonsense. Um, do you want a venture prediction for Saturday, Sam? <laughs> no. I'm going to venture one. Booze. Loads of them. And Sweet Easy. No. Um, oh. Nil-nil draw. Really turgid. Really, really poor stuff. But it doesn't really help anybody. Um, so I'm going to go with. So there we go. Well, that's been fun, hasn't it? It's been it's interesting. Been it's been okay. Yeah. Right. Join us um, next time for episode 140. Gav might be back if he's calmed himself down a bit. Possibly not. Um, where we'll talk about what will we do in episode 140. I think we'll talk about the Hearts game. We'll probably preview the Frankfurt game. Um, I guess we might leave a cut final preview for a certain little special episode before that one. So look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!